Welcome, everybody, back to the Smart to Zero podcast presented by Steel Post Media. I'm your host, Alex Fanebecker, and I'm coming to you alongside my tag team partner, hailing from the Field of Dreams, the land south of Diamond Joe's, Noah Carroll. How are you doing, Noah? I'm great. How are you? Well, we're hanging in there. I am ready for bed. <laughs> so we are, uh, just so you know, we are recording immediately after the WWE Extreme Rules event. It is just after 10 p.m. Central Time. And I don't know about you, Noah, but uh, as a father of three, my bedtime usually falls between 8.30 and 9, so I'm a little droopy right now. <laughs> um, no, this is kind of the middle of the day for me, uh, just with all my summer classes, usually three or four is about bedtime oh, man. at the moment. Well, I certainly remember those days. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, not fun. So for those of you listening, don't forget you can now follow the Smart to Zero podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for me. You can also follow me on Twitter at SmartKidAZero. You can follow our fearless leader, Oz Marley, at Steel Post Media, and our boy Dallas Barnes at All Wrestling 420 Finally, as always, a big thank you to my tag team partner tonight, Noah Carroll, at Noah7BC, for our music. So, so here we are. Extreme Rules is all over, and best case scenario, I'd say this was kind of a mixed bag for all of us fans. What did you think just off the top of your head, Noah? Um... To be completely honest, all of it was kind of underwhelming, I thought, to be honest. Um, none of the, like, or not a lot of the match endings, like, really left that much of an impact besides Kevin Owens, of course. That one was gnarly, but, um, <laughs> yeah, just all around. I, I Yeah, uh, especially with the, I mean, we'll get to it, but the Hell No match, it was just, and, and even the main event, it was just underwhelming is how I would put it. You know, I, I felt the same way after the first handful of matches, especially after the pre-show. Oh, definitely, yeah. And uh, I, I had to remind myself that this is Extreme Rules. It's not Survivor mm-hmm. Series. It's not Royal Rumble. It's not SummerSlam. It's not WrestleMania. And after I kind of came to terms with these intermediate sort of pay-per-views being building blocks, uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it a lot more. You know? It, yeah, okay. Okay. And this is right before SummerSlam, I think, right? right. That's yeah, the next Summer... pay-per-view, so I suppose this is, as you said, like a building block. It's just kind of, you know, maybe they're waiting off till SummerSlam to hand the titles over to Hell No, or, sure. yeah, as you said, just building block. Yeah, and, and I thought the last show was pretty damn good. You know, the last pay-per-view I really enjoyed. So this one, I, it wasn't bad. I just, I think I was right. expecting okay. a lot more than I should have out of it. And <laughs> Yeah. But then, you know, then again... You know, it's should we should we not expect amazing shows each right. time? I mean, uh, for me at least, um, like Extreme Rules is usually pretty close after WrestleMania, and so it's always um, all the matches are pretty high tier usually. Um, so just like especially after WrestleMania, so just having it kind of in the um, middle of the shuffle as far as pay per views go, it was kind of like. Um, something that was new because yeah uh sorry but tired (laughs) extreme (laughs) rules yeah it's just usually not um you know there's usually a high prestige i feel and it just wasn't really here this year well that's i mean extreme rules in the past has been to me at least it's it's been those big brutal matches that string of your ladder match your chair your your tlc matches your extreme rules matches and it was a great way to blow off story you know blow off storylines mid-season so to speak and and i didn't get that this time around yeah Uh, 
so, you know, I, I had to sort of recalibrate mid-show with what I was looking at and what I should be expecting. And I enjoyed it quite a bit more after that, like I said. But uh, let, let, let's let's jump in. So Extreme Rules takes took place uh, today, July 15th. It's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, it was supposed to go between three and a half and four hours long, depending on what you're reading, not counting the pre-show. And the opening match on the kickoff show was Sin Cara taking on uh, Almas. And, of course, Almas had Vega with him. And, damn. <laughs> that's all I can say. Uh, Sin Cara is wearing this lightning outfit throughout the match, and I thought it was pretty sweet. And I know, Noah, you didn't get a chance to watch this match, so everybody oh. listening, you can you can bear with me for a minute while I drone on. <laughs> but but wh- whether it was because the building was still filling up, because this was right at the start of the pre-show. I mean, we barely had to put up with the folks at the table. Uh, but the arena itself was pretty quiet for both entrances. Now, Vega, like I said, is unbelievable. I This woman, she could stop traffic, and then she could likely turn around and kick every driver's ass who dared to stop. I mean, she, <laughs> I, I just, I, nothing but good things in her future. She's outstanding. Uh, just notable things. That, there was a neat bump by Almas. Uh, he jumped up for a, a, what looked like a monkey flip on Sin Cara against the ropes. Sin Cara flipped him over the top rope. And went for a suicide dive, which almost moved out of the way and shoved him into the guardrail for. So that was pretty sweet. The match itself, early on especially, seemed like it was in slow motion. And and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not what I expected. Especially not from, you know, two guys who I would expect could keep up with anybody on 205 Live, which is tearing it up right now. Uh, now, almost missed at one point. He, he missed this running big boot. And you're thinking, okay, this is going to be a turn. Sin Cara is going to get some offense in. As soon as he missed the boot, he spun around and nailed Sin Cara with a back elbow. And Sin Cara went spilling to the outside, and it was finally down for the pose, time for the pose down. So we get almost between the top and middle rope, and of course Vega between the apron and the bottom rope, posing down for the crowd. And I got a kick out of it. I popped for that. Uh, one of the wonderful things, it, okay, if nothing else in this pay-per-view was amazing, this next thing steals the whole show for me. They didn't cut away for a fucking commercial. I, <laughs> I, I, I cannot say this enough. I fucking hate commercials during pay-per-views. I know it's during the pre-show, and they can watch the pre-show for free on some mediums before the show starts, but I fucking hate commercials during the pre-show. And what they did this time, instead of cutting away from the match, they went picture-in-picture. So I could watch the commercial for the event that I already paid the subscription to watch, but I could also watch the match at the same time. God damn it. Thank you, WWE, for finally figuring that shit out. Okay, I'm I'm done with that. I'm sorry. All right. (laughs) Yeah, don't wake up! Don't wake up your family. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but uh, then, uh, so uh, Sin Cara looks like he's being set up for an Alabama slam. He gets taken off the t- off the top rope, and instead, they monkey flip this shit around, and Sin Cara ends up hitting a reverse Frankensteiner into a pile driver on Almas. And I thought the match could have been over at that point. It was crazy. Uh, shortly after that, almost took this brutal rolling bump from the top rope onto the apron on the outside. Uh, Sin Cara then, and I, I defended him on, on my predictions show, but he characteristically hits that botch. He misses the Hurricane Rana <laughs> on the apron to the outside, and both men took a really nasty fall. Uh, 
Kara hits a frog splash that was really cool. Vega stopped the count as she should. Almas hits a sneak attack and got the win with the Hammerlock DDT in 7 minutes 18 seconds. Overall, it was a fun little match. They didn't have a whole lot of time, like I said, just over 7 minutes, and they did take their time for the most part, and it seemed like they were trying to make sure everything was done right and appreciated as opposed to rushed, and that Hammerlock DDT is just scary looking. So originally, I thought this match had a chance to steal the show, and I said that on the prediction show. Not going to happen tonight, but it was still a pretty damn good match. So Almas wins. If I had to rate it, and of course, you know, my, my rating means about as much as anybody else's. It doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot. Uh, <laughs> you know, for this show, I'd give it a three out of five. And so far, I'm 100% on my picks. So you can call me Mr. Perfect for the time being. <laughs> Next pre-show match was New Day versus Sanity. And Noah, you saw this one. Why don't you give me your thoughts yes. on it? Um, it was a pretty good match. Um, something I really like about both these tag teams is they actually act like a tag team, um, especially with New Day. Um, like, you know, they can't finish each other's sentences. They have, uh, you know, a huge moveset of just tag team moves, which is what I really like. Um, I don't like it when it feels like two wrestlers had just been, you know, thrown together. And then during their tag match, you know, when one's in, it feels like a separate match as when uh, until he tags the other person then it just feels like a completely different match um if that makes sense that's just um what i like about both these teams it's like they actually feel like a unit um and uh oh killian dane i think it is he's a he's a big fat hairy one right (laughs) yes yes (laughs) no insult to him but just trying to describe it um he did um, a dive to the outside. Um, I haven't been keeping up with NXT, so I don't know if he does that a lot. But, um, you know, pretty impactful stuff. Uh, actually, kind of gave me a flashback because I went to a Slayer concert about last month. And um, if you're a metal fan and you've been to a concert, you know, like, uh, you're usually surrounded by, like, big old hairy guys and stuff. And, um, <laughs> I. <laughs> It's hard to explain, but like, especially when Slayer comes on and everyone's moving around, bumping into you. It's like when um, Kofi or whoever got hit by the suicide dive, I just immediately felt that. Just knowing how heavy and how big he is, um, just, you know, the type of impact and whiplash you could get from that. So, um, yeah, really impactful moveset. So, so what we should take away from this is that Noah spends a lot of his time surrounded by fat, hairy men. <laughs> you know, no, take it as you go, yeah. that's right that's right but no you're you're absolutely right there uh he and and when when dane hit that that suicide dive and he took everybody out he stood up and for a minute he could have been bray wyatt's body double i mean oh. he looked just <laughs> like him for a second he even had the same look on his face it was amazing uh now to your point about uh the, about them acting like teams uh there's one thing i course new day came out with their obligatory pancakes i i I can't explain why but i think the pancakes are hilarious Uh, i it's it's stupid i should hate it 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 makes no sense on the surface but i don't i love it Uh (laughs) and and i I was actually wondering if sanity would become whole tonight and if nikki cross was going to interfere because I saw a lot of posting online about Nikki Cross saying farewell to the NXT fans or the NFC lock and NXT locker room, 
And so I was like, oh gosh, is, is she going to make, is she going to be the difference in this match? But uh, that was not to be. Uh, there was, I, I'm thrilled. I don't know if, if you watched much uh, TNA uh, when, yeah, when Eric Young was there, but oh, yeah. I, I am so happy to see Eric Young on the main roster. You know, I was, oh, yeah. I, I was concerned at first that he'd be relegated to the NXT brand to help teach the younger wrestlers. And he'd, do a damn good job of it. I'll throw that in there too, but it it makes my heart happy to see him on the main roster and to see, Uh and to see them get this win against new day. Yeah. 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 See, it's, um, it's kind of scary with a lot of these NXT guys because some of them are kind of getting thrown into obscurity or it's like WWE just doesn't know how to write them in, Mm -hmm. which to, to their credit to have like just new wrestlers debut like you know every so often and like just have to somehow implement them into every storyline like yeah that's difficult but um as uh until now shinsuke seemed to be going nowhere um even with his uh wwe championship rivalry and um we'll get to oscar later but yeah it's um <laughs> it's kind of scary to see this but um it was a good match and um i hope the New Day and Sanity rival continues a bit longer because um, I think we have really good stuff in uh, store for us. You know, I, I couldn't agree more. I think these two, especially because they have that capability to go six man and still be a team. You know, these yeah. these aren't really tag teams. These are stables. That's what they are. Mm-hmm. And having stable fights is a lot of fun. And, <laughs> yeah. it, and it keeps the tag team division alive because you can change that up so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I loved the finish. Where you know it's Wolf is essentially suspending Kofi over the table, oh, yeah. and Eric Young hits that elbow drop onto him through the table, and of course the match itself it, it it was quick, but there was a lot that happened. So it was about seven and a half minutes long. It never really slowed down enough for me to tell me anything as far as a story went, but. How much can you do with six guys in seven minutes? You know, <laughs> right, I, I've, right. I've watched I've watched Undertaker entrances that went seven minutes. So you know, <laughs> I'm not making fun of you, Undertaker. Please don't hurt me. That's <laughs> uh, but it was it was still a lot of fun, and it was fun in that chaotic, uh, almost ECW ish way. Yeah. With without the, I think with the violence toned down, and I'll put it that way. So. Uh, Sanity, of course, gets the win. I'm 2-0 and on my picks, so I'm still still Mr. Perfect. That's not going to last long, I promise you. <laughs> we had uh, a one-hour pre-show, 14 minutes, 52 seconds of in-ring action. Average match time is about 7, seven minutes, 26 seconds. So that kind of blows, but it's the pre-show, and that's normally how that works. I'm just glad there wasn't any tag team title match or, you know, U.S. title match on the pre-show this time. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with you. Now, the next match, I <laughs> I didn't, I have to laugh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know what the hell was going to happen here. I have I loved the B-team development. And, of course, so the next match is the Raw Tag Team Championship, the Deleters of Worlds against the B-team. I love the B-team. I'm a yeah. huge Bray Wyatt fan. I was never a big Matt Hardy fan during their initial runs, even even sure. to when Matt left for a while during the whole Edge drama and came back. I, I was never, I never really took to Matt. 
And it's mainly because I didn't understand all the work that he actually did. You know, it wasn't until you see those documentaries or those behind the scenes things when you realize that, holy shit, Matt Hardy was the brains behind all of it. You know, the guy, the guy's brilliant. And I was a dumbass and didn't appreciate him. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but this match with the build, especially the, the one thing that stands out is when the B team impersonated the Deleters of Worlds and Bo Dallas played Bray Wyatt. And it was, it made me so happy. <laughs> I just, I, it was just that creativity that, that folks uh-huh. say is lacking in the WWE lately. And, and I think this one hits so well. Uh, the, the one I thing, just... oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you. The, uh, the, the one thing that, that uh, we consistently heard over the last year was that Bray Wyatt's career was over and that he was washed up and that his, his, his angles were no good. But every time he comes out, those fireflies are out. And I'm still a huge Bray Wyatt fan. And I hope that we see him with a championship belt again real soon. A singles title. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how did you like their tag team? The leaders of worlds, right? Yeah, you know, I I think it's fun. I don't think it's it's meant to be something long lived. I think this right. was supposed to be a jolt in the arm where eventually Bray's going to turn and get his win back on Hardy and go back to being aggressive and nasty and and wonderful. Uh, you know, again, Matt. One of the things I noted watching this, and and you'll hear me say this a lot in any pay per view that has Hardy brother the Hardy Boys on it, uh, specifically Matt, but. Matt looks like he has so much trouble moving. Every time he wrestles, I worry that his hips are going to go out. I or or and you know and I like I, I sincerely worry for his health. And I don't know how injured he is or if that's just how he walks after you know after this many years. Yeah. You watch the Iron Sheik walk around; the poor bastard can't even get upstairs. You know, and I don't yeah. I don't want that for Matt Hardy. But I, I worry about his about his. Uh, about his hips, about his legs, just watching him walk. Um, you know, it, it's... That makes the, the the match hard to enjoy for me. Just worrying about him all the time? Pretty That's much. Kind of this Daniel Bryan with me. It's like, because, like, you know, how he's just had all these concussions. Every time you see him take a bump, it's just like you yes. worry for him. Absolutely, yeah, and I've got some notes on that one, too. Homeboy needs to slow down. <laughs> but uh, no, no. at one point in this match, you know, they, they they trade back and forth for a while. But Bray Wyatt is begging the tag when Bo Dallas and Matt Hardy are in the ring together. And Hardy finally tags Bray. He gets in and the crowd wakes up because you've got Bray and Bo. And I don't know, did you watch much of Bo Dallas in NXT when he was the NXT champion? I love Bo Dallas in Me NXT. Too. How, how can you not? I just adore the just guy. The, the heel who doesn't know he's a heel is like, it's just perfect. Oh, <laughs> man. I, it, well, and, and when the crowd woke up at this point, because they'd been pretty quiet for the first hour, you know, during the pre-show and all that. Yeah. The crowd wakes up, and what does Bo Dallas do? He circles for a while, and then he turns around and tags Curtis Axel, gets on the oh. apron, and smiles. And I just, I loved it. I loved it. And, uh, you know, and then from there, Curtis Axel ends up taking the majority of the beating from both Wyatt and Hardy. But uh, what did you think? Oh, yeah. Um, to add on to that real quick, just I, I don't remember if it was before or after Curtis got tagged in. 
Um, just uh, he gets frustrated, you know. Uh, Bray or Matt beats him to the ground. He rolls out of the ring, and then like the B team, they just have this little moment with each other. They're like, you know, we got this. Like we're the underdogs. We've came so far. We beat them twice. Like I just love the com comra- uh, the camaraderie between uh, both of them. You know, as I was saying earlier, just like you know, they're a team. You know, um, yeah, just like. Yeah, it's just, like, really a feel-good. It's, like, it made you want to root for them. It's, like, he's, like, don't get frustrated, Axel, you know. Like, we got the rest of this match. Let's just do our thing and win it. So, um, I really like that. I'm, I'm happy you mentioned that because you said you, you wanted to cheer for them. At one point during the match, it was during heat time when Hardy went down and, mm-hmm. and he's, he's being ground down with chin locks. The crowd started that dueling chant, that I love B-team, B-team sucks. B-team, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the B-team is you know they're the heels in this match right i mean that's what they're supposed to be and before they were part of the miztourage nobody gave two fucks about these guys so in less than a year they they're getting chanted during their matches as the heels and i think that's pretty great Uh, yeah they're just like the lovable like losers you know it's like you want to see them win just because of how like goofy they are and stuff like well that's it you throw you throw icp and a giant and a fat guy in a mask in here and you've got the oddities i mean that's that that sympathetic losers but these guys are the sympathetic losers who are winning and and that's what's fantastic i mean there 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 were heel tag teams in the past where when they'd start to lose you know, they'd crawl towards their partner on their knees and hug them around the waist. You know, essentially just face and crotch hugging like mommy protect me. And those <laughs> those were my favorite heel tag teams. I think Money Incorporated did it a few times. The Beverly Brothers did it. You know, you look back, there were heel tag teams that would cower against their tag team partner. And I could see <laughs> the B team doing that any day of the week and making it work. Um, we did finally get... Wyatt versus Dallas at one point, and Wyatt turned into a freight train. And I and you have to think, as Big Brother, he enjoyed it <laughs> just a little bit. I mean, he yeah, flattens him. Well, then he hit this Uranagi onto Dallas, and he seemed to lift oh, him all the way was, to the ceiling. Uh, oh, that was a hard one. <laughs> oh, it was, and, and it wasn't too far after that that it took us into the finish. So they went for that double team, Sister Abigail, and it got broken up. Dallas ends up hitting. Hardy with that, uh, that was it, the twisting neck breaker off the top rope, if uh, I remember correctly. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I tell you, I, I miss the, uh, well, I always called it the bow throw when he would do that judo throw. But, uh, <laughs> um, but of course, Bo Dallas gets the win over Matt Hardy, seven minutes, 59 seconds. And we have new tag team champions, the B team, or as they want to be called, the best team. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so I, I, this seems like a good kind of a jolt or like hopefully somewhat of a revival to the tag team division on Raw because I felt like not much was happening with them. But with a B team, it's like, you know, they have so much potential. They're just like, you know, they're hot off this win. They're just like super excited. Hopefully they have some sort of celebration on Raw or something. <laughs> um. <laughs> a, re- a really cheesy, like, innocent but obnoxious one like i want these guys that are chuck e cheeses just tearing it up <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. and um what was hilarious um there's a segment later in the show where they invited uh i think roman reigns yes. to be a part of the team that was good <laughs> like, what's also funny about that was i don't know if this was even the joke but like if it was just like 
they thought that he was the underdog or he was going to lose going to, into this match with Bobby Lashley, that he belonged with Dom now, or I don't know. It's yep. just like endless possibility of angles. I feel like he could go with them. So I'm excited to see the mess champs. Now, when they did that, I was laughing, but I, th- I think they missed an opportunity there because they could have had a huge pop for Roman if he oh. would have gone with it. And and I think it would have softened some of those hard heart Roman, hater, right. Roman haters. Yes, he got booed when he... <laughs> yes. Just the crowd just booing him. And, uh, you know, I get it wouldn't really fit with the serious nature of the match coming up, and that's just me wanting to have fun with it. But uh, I, I think there could have been a few more Roman chants. <laughs> Had uh, had he had some B team backing, <laughs> but um, but no. If if I had to rate this one, and I was hard on this one, I, I I only gave it two out of five, mainly because I was like I said concerned about Matt Hardy. It's not that I don't like him. I just I'm terrified that I'm going to be watching a live match and Matt's going to go down. And yeah. Yeah, you know, you never sure. want to see that. Not just because it's uncomfortable to watch, but yeah, I just don't want to see anybody get hurt. And the guy's got two <laughs> kids. He's a big boy. He can make his own decisions. And, you know, he's probably fine, and it's just me being, you know, a wor- worrisome little bitch, if I can uh, put it delicately. Uh, so I am no longer Mr. Perfect. I did not call that for the B team. I thought that the leaders were oh. going to hold on to it. So now I am just Mr. <laughs> so right after that, we had a backstage segment. It was Kurt Angle. Uh, now... He said he he kind of stumbled over this a little bit, and they had to they had to clear it up on commentary. But essentially, he said tomorrow Brock Lesnar will be on Raw, or he will turn come to terms on his next title defense, or he will be stripped of the United of the Universal Title. And when he announced that, the crowd went fucking bananas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let me just say. I am definitely not a fan that he surpassed CM Punk's title reign because it's seemingly for nothing. I mean, it's honestly, it feels like there's nothing to show from this title reign he's had, in my personal opinion. Like, there aren't, in my opinion, there aren't really any great matches he's had as Universal Champion. Um, But at this point, I don't want to see him stripped of it. Like, it's gone on so long, it's like, no, he has to lose it to somebody. This can all have been, you know, for nothing. You know, I'm, I'm glad you said that, and I feel the same way. If he if he gets stripped of the championship, I feel like they might as well throw it in the garbage and bring back right. Big Gold. Because mm-hmm. the Absolutely. Universal title, it doesn't bother me so much that it's not defended frequently, but I would mm-hmm. like to at least see it. You yeah. know, I'd, I'd like yeah. to see, you know, I'd like to see something out of him. It's a shame when he showed more character in 30 seconds on a UFC pay-per-view than he has in years now with the wwe and i'll tell you when when brock lesnar came in when he was the next big thing with paul Heyman, way back when i was Mm -hmm. on man i was a brock lesnar fan and and it wasn't until that last match that he had at wrestlemania with goldberg that he lost uh and then he disappeared for a while tried to become a viking uh successfully to a point i might add and then turned into a UFC fighter, also pretty damn successfully. Uh, I really fell off because he comes back, blows out John Cena, blows out Triple H. You know, he just starts running through. And I defended the Undertaker loss for a while because 
what I'd figured was, okay, they're going to invest some time even with limited dates and make Brock Lesnar mean something. And eventually he's going to put over the new guy. And now it just doesn't seem to be the case. And uh, so he's got to come back and lose it in some fashion. If it's stripped, you might as well get rid of the damn thing. And then everything that he did before that means nothing. It means that the Undertaker shriek ended for no reason. But at the end of the day, I mean, let, let's let's think of it. They, they're advertising this left and right. It's part of a storyline. You know, we're probably being worked pretty hard here. You know, <laughs> they're they've, they've got us exactly where they want us. They've been they've been able to successfully turn Brock Lesnar into a heel, which they hadn't been able to do before, even when he was doing nasty shit. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're likely being worked, and you got to remember that. But it's actually kind of fun to get worked, isn't it? <laughs> like, I've got real emotions and real negative feeling towards, towards right, right. feelings towards Brock no, Lesnar. I really want to see him lose, yeah. Absolutely. And when he does, that Universal Championship is going to have all that baggage behind it. So the new mm-hmm. Universal Champion is all of a sudden going to be a major deal. So, oh. again, well, you know. I think that depends on who does win it in the end. Because if it's like Roman Reigns, I think the fans will just immediately reject it again. Um, someone like, I don't know, I feel like maybe Bobby Lashley's in contendership now. Because um, mm-hmm. I figure on Raw or whatever, he's going to announce he's going to defend it at uh, SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bobby Lashley being like the big dog now after his uh, defeat of Roman Reigns, I think he's next in line for it. You know, I'm gonna put all of my all of my eggs into one basket, and and that is uh, the the one man I believe can beat Brock Lesnar decisively, is the man with two hands that stands a chance, Mr. James Ellsworth. Now listen to me. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, I'm sorry. That's He's terrible. Gonna go there. Okay. That's terrible. I'm sorry. I, I hear I hear that James is a wonderful human being, so I'm I'm picking on him. But um, no, you know I would actually love to see. I, I you know I don't necessarily want to see Lashley because I think Lashley's a short term deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think it wouldn't do Roman Reigns any favors. Rollins is the hot button. Like people seem to yeah. think, you know Seth Rollins is going to do it. That's fine. He didn't win. You know he didn't win the Intercontinental Title tonight. So who knows? But. I would actually like to see Drew McIntyre fulfill his prophecy oh, as the chosen right. one from way back when he had no beard and he was the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. Like and, 2010. Yeah, yeah. I actually saw him live in Duluth. He came up and uh, and I believe he said, it, I mean, to give you an idea of the time frame, Vladimir Kozlov was on the sh- same show and <laughs> Zack Ryder had pants that went down one leg and were, and were trunks on the other side. So th- th- this was a while ago. But uh, I, I would, Drew McIntyre is so big and chiseled and looks like a badass and I think is a pretty legit badass. I would love to see him be the surprise winner and yeah. and, and really take it through the roof because I think he could. But well, let, let's jump on uh, on over because next we had Finn Balor taking on the Constable of Raw, Baron Corbin. Mm-hmm. Um. Personally, like, not, nothing to say t- uh, much about this match, in my opinion. Um, there was a really cool spot. It's like, you forget how quick Baron Corbin is sometimes. 
I don't remember what exactly happened, but um, Baron has that signature roll out of the ring. Yeah. Run around the corner and then just uh, right back in. Um, I don't know. Ben, uh, Finn was just throwing him, and then, like, you 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 almost missed it just blinking, but um, that's the quickest I'd seen him ever fly out of the ring and then just run back in and, you know, clothesline Finn or whatever he did. Yep. Uh, that was a really cool moment. And, and he does it, he can do it consistently. I've seen him do it a few times now on pay-per-views. I'm sure he's done it on, on SmackDown before too, but I don't I don't get to watch the weekly programming as much as I'd like, so I don't see a whole lot of Baron Corbin matches. Um, yeah, same with Raw now that, you know. But um, one of the things I loved about this Constable gimmick is that after he's in the ring and he's already been introduced, he demands a proper introduction again. <laughs> which which made me giggle, and I got a kick out of that. Uh, yeah, he definitely took... He was the aggressor for the entire match. You know, Balor sold his ass off for him. And, uh, you know, I actually... I enjoyed a lot of that within the match. Mainly because, you know, Finn Balor's a smaller guy. Of course, everybody wants him to win. Everybody loves Finn Balor. But he's by far the smaller guy in the match... He's got to sell a shitload, and he did. Like he he helped Baron Corbin look like a badass, and I actually I had hoped that Baron Corbin Corbin would win this match, and I had talked about that on my prediction show as well. I want I'm kind of tired of this Balor Club is for everybody bullshit, <laughs> you know. And I don't mean that inclusion is a bad thing. I mean I don't think it's doing Finn Balor any favors. I think it's a I think it's kind of a piss poor pandering type gimmick. And what I'd like to see is for Finn to start losing matches and losing matches to the point where he's getting frustrated. And finally, when he loses his shit, then we see the demon come back. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want that's for Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since we've seen the demon, yeah. And I think the last time was against Bray Wyatt, actually. And uh uh, but you know that that's that's just me armchair booking. I don't know what their long term plans are. <laughs> yeah, and of course, yeah. you know I, I did enjoy the match. Like I said, I, I enjoyed it. I liked that Bar- Balor sold and Corbin was a tough bastard. But Finn wins with the goofiest looking inside cradle small package for the win. <laughs> Eight minutes twenty one seconds, and he walks away with the win. I am two and two on my picks, so I don't even know if you can call me Mister anymore. <laughs> and. Uh, I, I threw this one right mid-range in three out of five. Uh, I yeah. haven't, at this point, I haven't seen the breakout match in the show. You know, I haven't seen the breakout match that'll make right. the show right. spectacular like I had thought it would or like the card would suggest it would be. But, mm-hmm. you know, the heavy hitters were still coming, so I wasn't too worried at this point. Uh, what did you think of the backstage segment with Team Hell No and the Bludgeon Brothers? Um, not too much to say. Um... I mean, yeah, so it, it immediately started them just beating up Hell No, right? That's it, yeah. That's it was cutting to the back, and they yeah. were attacking Hell No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he puts Kane's leg in the door and uh, takes a sledgehammer and just, you know, whams it. And it's um, it looked like a pretty hard hit, at least, because the door actually, like, had a dent in it mm-hmm. when he was done. Um, so at that point, I was still thinking Hell No was going to win, but I was like, okay, they might lose now because it's like now they have the reason to, right? Because, right? um, which, well, we'll get to it when uh, the match comes up. So I'll, I'll save some of that for later. But 
Sounds good. Well, the next match we do see is for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Carmella's taking on Asuka with James Ellsworth suspended in a shark cage. Now, okay, good God, here we go. There's the shark cage, and I've got a string of RoboCop jokes in my mind. Now, now, now if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to get on your computer Take it out of incognito mode, you dirty bastards. <laughs> and I want you to type in WCW, Sting, and RoboCop. Or if you remember the event, it's on the network. And you can see what I'm talking about. Uh, now, the cage itself, I noticed, was hanging way lower than I thought it would have. And that makes yeah. sense later on. But I was thinking, at first I was thinking, oh, shit. You know, they're going to start doing face bumps into the cage when it's hanging. Thanks. Like, this Being is going to get nasty. Yeah, something about the shark cage is like, it, it felt like, um, what was the first one we had in a long time? Um, Eldering. Eldering was oh, in the oh, cage. Oh, it was the, um, no, no, no. I think, was it Kevin Owens and Jericho before that? Oh, you know, it might have been. Was Jericho in the cage? Yeah, yeah. Okay. See, the funny thing is, like, before that, there wasn't, like, a shark cage match in, like, a million years, right? And then it's, like, now all of a sudden it seems like we're getting them all the time, which is, like, I don't have a problem with it. Like, I think it's a fun gimmick. But, um, yeah, just, like, I don't know, just brought it back up again, and it's kind of funny. Well, now we'll get one with Seth and, and Dolph with Drew in a cage. That's yeah, <laughs> and it never works. Same no. thing happens all the time. And then, like, yep. in terms of kayfabe, they bring this back, and they're, like, you know, maybe, like, we should just ban them from ringside. <laughs> to like, you know, it's not doing anyone any favors, but... Well, I have like, to believe that th this was brought back to sell a toy. You know, this was... The, the first yeah. Shark Cage match they had, if I remember correctly, was an NXT TakeOver match. And it was Authors of Pain against... Uh, I forget if it was DIY or, or who it was against. Right. Uh, right. Probably DIY. But um, uh, they had Ellering in the cage above the ring and the whole show they were running commercials for their new wwe ring with the shark cage ah uh, yeah and now now i you know i've seen plenty of matches with you know you know is it like jj dylan in the cage or sting is sting is in the cage or you know usually you put the manager in the cage and they find yeah. a way to cheat and it's fantastic uh this match uh Okay, I'm gonna have to be honest, and this is a guilty pleasure with me. I enjoyed the shit out of this match. This was <laughs> okay. th this. I didn't enjoy it in the same sense that one would enjoy Bret Hart, Steve Austin, or one would, oh. you know, or, or anything like. This was like, this was like Carnival, you know. Th this was this was a a comedy match with a serious competitor in it. That being Oscar, right, right, and. I didn't take it too seriously. I didn't expect much from it. I'd hoped Asuka would win, and I picked Asuka on my prediction show. But everything about this match was to hold, you know, fill space until Charlotte comes back to win her championship back from Carmella. So what these three did in the ring was so damn funny and so entertaining that, I mean, in the history of Asuka's career... This match isn't even going to be a blip on the radar. 
You know, I don't think her first match will be either. You know, James Ellsworth interference isn't going to factor into her equation because she is going to be a megastar, whether it's with the WWE or whether she jumps over to Impact eventually or Ring of Honor or goes back to Japan. You know, I mean, it just, it doesn't matter. She's going to be amazing wherever she goes. So this <laughs> this match, it starts immediately. Like, they, they barely get the bell rung and Ellsworth is trying to throw shit down into the ring to Carmella, and it's not working, which <laughs> just made me happy. <laughs> so, and at one point, um, there, there was just kind of a logic gap, it seemed. Uh, Carmella was caught with a chain or whatever, and then like the ref was over at the like side of the ring to make sure she threw it out, and then she grabs a, a pepper spray or whatever. Yes. She, and she's about to spray it in uh, Asuka's face before she like hits it out of her hands, but the ref was looking like right at her. Yep. So yep. it's just like, <laughs> what was the point of that? Well, and, and, and um, I happen to know for a fact that that wasn't mace or hairspray in that bottle. That was actually borrowed arrogance from the model Rick Martel. The same arrogance that was sprayed in Jake the Snake Roberts' eyes before their blindfold wow. match. Uh, and that, that's, that, that is a documented fact, and you can look that up nowhere. And, <laughs> and, it's, and actually, I thought that to myself, and it made me smile when I was watching the match. I was like, oh, it would be wonderful if Rick Martel came down and sprayed her with arrogance. <laughs> and, um, I, I did feel a little bad for Asuka, because in the middle of this, this circus, she's having a wrestling match. And she's having a pretty good wrestling match. She's hitting hard like she always does. She locks in the Asuka lock. You know, everything she is doing is strong. But, like I said, this is a circus match. This is not, you know, th this isn't meant to be a five-star classic. It wasn't built that way. Yeah. So, when Ellsworth picks the lock and gets his <laughs> dumbass hung upside down... And his sweatshirt oh. actually hangs down so you can see his protective padding. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm going to say, I don't know if you're supposed to see that or not. Because, like, the, the impression I kind of got was he, he meant for his sweatshirt to stay up. And then he was telling Asuka, like, just to really nail him with a kick so it looked, yeah. like, believable from an uh, audience standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I was thinking maybe they didn't want you to see that, but... Um, I don't know. It worked as a comedy gimmick, too, so uh, I but think it worked, it worked it, just fine. It really did, and and I'd wondered if it was to protect him from the kicks or if it was if it was a rig for for how he was hung so it wouldn't put all that pull on his legs. It would oh, pull it around his waist. Yeah. And uh, so I, I wonder what that was all about. Either way, uh, you know, Asuka playing birthday pinata with Ellsworth was fantastic. <laughs> Uh, when the cage, when they lower the cage and Asuka chases out the officials and that gigantic security <laughs> guard takes a powder, the crowd popped like that was fantastic. And I thought if you're if you're going to beat Asuka, you might as well beat her by smashing her in the face with a goddamn cage. Right. right. You know, so, you know, Mela takes the win five minutes and 25 seconds as silly as it was. I thought it was entertaining, and again, it clears the way for Charlotte to return and win her championship, and then we can start getting those classics back, especially when they do that teased main ro that women of the main roster pay-per-view later that, they, that oh. they've been talking about or that's been rumored. I think that's where we can see the, the Charlotte versus Asuka's or the Becky Lynch versus Asuka. You know, we can see that real kick-ass match. Mm -hmm. That's not what this was meant to be. 
and I, I'm giving it right. a very, I gave it a very generous three out of five just because it entertained me to no end, even sure, though it sure. was, yeah. it was not a clinic in professional wrestling by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, like anything with Ellsworth, I feel like it almost can't be like, you know, like, uh, he had the, uh, Dean Ambrose special guest referee match with him versus AJ Styles. Yeah, mm. it, it was hilarious, but it's oh, like yeah. it's really entertaining. But it's like it's not what I would call like a good match necessarily. Like as far as like you know from a wrestling standpoint, like well, with him picking the shark cage and everything, it's mm. like maybe they should just put him in like one of those Houdini fish tanks, try and see him get out of that oh, one. Jesus. Or something. <laughs> yeah, he... See, that would actually work as opposed to the shark tank. I think. If, started putting wrestlers in those yeah it would because his absence of chin would allow him to slip out of that straight jacket <laughs> he'd be able to pull it off um, so so we are at the end of hour one of the main show we've had 21 minutes 45 seconds of in-ring action uh, average match length is about seven minutes 15 seconds in the first hour not counting the pre-show so and, and it was lighthearted, like we said but it's probably good that it was because the shit is about to hit the fan so the next match on the card is Shinsuke Nakamura challenging for the U.S. title from Jeff Hardy. Uh, Hardy comes out wearing that sort of that willow sort of paint yeah, yeah. That, that I liked. I, I like the face paint. I like that he does that. And uh, these two are getting ready for a 60-minute classic, which ends in 5.23 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> when, when Nakamura nails that low blow. And waltzes back to his corner. That innocent <laughs> oh, look God. on his face is just incredible. I I love heel Nakamura so much. Me too. See, and the thing was like, um, you know, he de- he debuted as a face and everything. And when they first turned him heel, I was like, I don't know about this. It's like everybody likes him too much. I can't see him as a bad guy. But now. Like, I'm completely sold on him. Like, I love, like, asshole Nakamura. And the thing is, he's so good at being a bad guy that I can't hate him. (laughs) And that kind of defeats the purpose, right? Uh Because I'm supposed Uh to hate him. I absolutely adore the shit that he pulls. Uh, No. Yeah, what's hilarious was I I didn't really... Well, like, before the match started, you know, he's just, like, kind of walking around, like, really confident, like, arrogantly, like, as he does. (laughs) And it's like, I didn't realize until after the match, it's like... It was like that because it's like he had a plan, like, in his head. Like, he knew what he was going to do and everything. So, like, now just looking back on it after knowing, like, he was going to hit him with that low blow, it's like, oh, okay, I get it, you smug bastard. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Now, now um, I, I know this isn't the case, but it was uh, I, it was a little haunting in that this is now the second time Hardy has lost a major title within seconds of the bell. And, of course, they talked about the match with Sting back in TNA where it was. Yeah, I was, yeah sorry. No, no, and, and it was, you know, that was immediate. Now this, you know, I don't think that's the case here at all. It's, it's, just, it's just a coincidence there, and it's a great way to build nakamura as the u.s champion and as a shithead and let him walk away with that belt and then start that feud with randy orton again which hopefully will be better than their match at the greatest royal rumble well what i um something i just thought of is um what i love about shinsuke nakamura being a heel is like you know he's a great wrestler it's like he doesn't need to like hit people in the like balls to beat them in matches. You know, mm-hmm. it's like he just does that just because it makes it easy. Like just because he can. Like he doesn't need to. He wants but it's to. Just like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like 
just the malice behind like everything oh, yeah. he does it's like it's what makes him a great heel in my opinion and i don't want to see him turn face anytime soon either so no i you make him the hottest heel in the company i i want to see him start like nailing people in a low blow with a low blow and then instead of going for the win he locks in like a reverse chin lock for two minutes <laughs> like I, I want to see him play off it like you know my superior amateur wrestling skills are what got me here not the fact <laughs> yeah. that I just clubbed this guy's grapefruits into the third row you know <laughs> so after the match you know, of course I, I picked Nakamura to win this match so I'm back to 500 I don't suck <laughs> I didn't bother rating it but uh, Randy Orton comes out post match Nakamura leaves and stands on the announce table to stay out of the ring and this was pretty damn transparent. I figured it'd be a, an RKO, but it wasn't. Orton turns yeah. on Jeff Hardy, hits another low blow for the heel turn, and walks out. And I may not be very, being very fair here, but I could probably do without seeing Randy Orton. To, to be completely honest, I agree. Um, I, I know this sounds... It's, it's weird, because he really does have a prestige to him, given his career. And talent. Reps. And talent. The guy's insanely gifted. And the thing, I, I feel like, I don't know, I don't know, maybe it's his gimmick. Or maybe, I don't know. He, he feels stale to me. I don't enjoy his matches. I thought his match with Jeff Hardy, and I think he was hurt during that match too, during the Greatest Royal Rumble, was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I wasn't excited to see him come back. Yeah, it just... Like, like, not that I disrespect him or don't, I wouldn't say I don't like him, but just nothing he does, it's like, it, it kind of automatically just disengages me as a viewer. It's just like, like, I'm sorry, but I think he's like, just kind of boring at this point. Yeah, like, I have His matches don't, just nothing he does really resonates with me anymore. You know, I, I think you're right, and I haven't been excited about Randy Orton in a long time, with the exception of when he teamed with Bray Wyatt which was kind of universally hated, <laughs> really. But I yeah. liked it. I, I liked their run as tag team champions. Uh, I, I liked when Bray won the world title and they were still together, you know, and then and then the goofy House of Horrors shit happened after that when they, when they broke yeah. up. But together, I thought they were pretty intriguing. And I liked mm-hmm. that element where it sort of phased Luke Harper out of the family, you know. That, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think Randy Orton is completely underrated as a tag team wrestler. You know, rated RKO was a lot of fun. The Bray Wyatt tag team was a lot of fun. And nobody really goes back to maybe Randy Orton should be in a tag team again. Let's pair him up with, you know, somebody from NXT coming up. Or let's pair him up with somebody who's coming back and start to build this tag team. And then it's not just him teaching another guy. It's him getting over again as a tag team wrestler. And I think it would be a lot easier on him, too, because, like, as far as, like, wrestlers, like, ages go, he's getting kind of, like, you know, in the, um, he's, he's getting kind of old uh, to be, you know, just putting on matches all the time. I feel like he's in great shape, but, you know, he's just kind of getting there. And it's so um, I think a tag team would kind of help him, you know, keep from slowing down. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the guy's been hurt as as all of them have been, but you know, I know, I know his shoulder is a problem spot, and you know, I want the guy to make a living. So if he can make a yeah. living and develop somebody else at the same time and get himself over again, 
and you know have people you know screaming when he comes out or booing the hell out of him when he comes out that's great but uh, that throws us into our next match which is where the shit actually hit the fan Braun Strowman taking on Kevin Owens in a steel cage this is the first match where I like really was like like the rest of it kind of just felt like raw to me besides the shark cage match and mm-hmm. then, then this is where like the pay-per-view really turned for me yeah I, I completely I completely agree with that I, I loved the Shinsuke quick one um, on the prediction show I mentioned how much I liked how Braun Strowman has evolved and and how much personality he has compared to that Wyatt family member who only said run and then and then had and then had Bubba Ray Dudley hold up that garbage can for about 10 seconds before he took advantage of the spot to punch it but uh, you know I that guy compared to Braun Strowman now they're not even the same person right I would have like oh man whenever I would see him you know back then it was like this guy's he's just gonna be another like giant and then I'm just gonna go more with him but yeah, I'm really surprised with how he turned out. And so this is uh, the match starts, and Owens is trying to climb out immediately, and I love it. He's playing coward. Kevin o- Kevin Owens is a national treasure. I don't know how many times I've said it, you know, on the recording, whether it's the prediction show or any other time he's ever had a match. But I absolutely love Kevin Owens. <laughs> well, that's that's why, because he um, until Daniel Bryan came back, he, he'd been my favorite wrestler for a while. So I, I actually was not looking forward to this match at all because I was like, just going to be a squash match with, you know, him and Braun. He's just going to get destroyed the whole time. It's like, you know, he'd been humiliated by Bobby Lashley, Braun Strowman, and everybody for the past, like, it seems like countless weeks for me. So um, I, I wasn't looking forward to it because I, like, him being one of my favorite wrestlers, I was afraid he was going to kind of, like, just become, you know, a jobber or just a, you know, joke heel that always loses mm-hmm. and, um, because what I liked about him before was, yeah, he was a coward and he was like a jackass all the time. But, like, he, he could actually beat people up. You know, his first match on the main roster, he beat John Cena. Right. You know, at Elimination Chamber, I think. And, like, that really set the tone. And then it kind of felt like we were kind of losing him. But at one point in this match, um, after I think it was pretty close at the beginning. Uh, Braun Strowman, he's like, quit running, like fight me he he like yells at him and then kevin owens just like he lets loose on him like he's actually has the advantage on braun for like mm-hmm. a minute or so like he's actually like outsmarting him out out maneuvering him sure you know hitting him onto the mat and like i was like okay like i'm, I'm content with this match already this is going in a direction i like absolutely absolutely and, and so what essentially what happened is this match started and throughout really it, it felt like an older brother picking on a little brother you know he he he'd toss you know braun would toss ko around and mm-hmm. and you know taunt him essentially and like you said stroman finally fired ko up took a couple of super kicks and a cannonball and a stunner and a frog splash and you know, then for then you know when stroman was done letting his little brother pick on him so to speak or you know yeah. get get his get his licks in Kevin Owens started making a living out of being thrown into cage walls. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then the handcuff bit, I mean, transparent as can be, and everybody knew what was going to happen. You know, Stevie Wonder could see what was going to happen with that. 
but it still worked because right. Kevin Owens makes it. shit work. Mm-hmm. He takes the choke slam. Then when he does get over to the other side of the ring, he gives that DX chop and tells oh, him to suck it. Starts climbing. Just so cocky, arrogant. He's like, I have this one. Fuck you. Like, I'm oh, going to win. Oh, just awesome. And, and then, of course, we all know what happened next. You know, Strowman rips the cuffs off the ropes, chases uh, KO up the cage. And, you know, I was thinking, okay, he's just going to toss him back, whatever. All of a sudden, both these bastards are standing on top of the cage. I'm like, what the fuck is going to happen here? This is crazy. And Strowman actually lost the match by chokes, you know, by choke slamming, essentially. Uh, choke slamming Owens off the top of the cage. Through the announce table. Oh and my, that, my mouth just dropped. Like, I didn't even make a noise. I was just like thinking, holy shit. Like, Kevin Owens can take some nasty bumps all the time, but I think, like, just off the top of my head at least, that's like maybe like the worst he's taken. Well, and, and that's it. When they showed the replay, that table didn't give. You know, mm-hmm. Kale bounced off the table and then it collapsed. And, you know... And, and the way he sold it was priceless. I'm sure it hurt like hell, too. It probably wasn't hard to oh, sell that. I think he's but, yeah. yeah, he grabs his head. He's kicking his feet. And I'm like, oh, my God. If he wasn't kicking his feet, I'd be convinced he was paralyzed. Because he hit. He didn't hit flat. He hit in an angle. And he wasn't right. rolling when he hit. Because mm-hmm. in the slow-mo, you see he kind of starts tilting towards his head a bit, like, mm-hmm. right before he hits it. Like, it, yeah, it wasn't just flat on his back or anything. It's like, I'm sure he got, like, the wind knocked out of him. Well, and, and, and this so this one, you know, Kevin Owens wins, and I don't think anybody saw Kevin Owens winning this match through any other circumstance other than being thrown <laughs> through the cage, or in this case, off the cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had eight and minutes. What I think is awesome about that is, like, you know, you know, Braun doesn't care necessarily at that point if he won or lost. Like, right. the point was just, like, you know, I'm going to be the shit out of anybody I face, you know? It's like... Yeah, Kevin Owens, like, he technically, like, won the match, but it's like, you know, who, like, the real victor is. And, like, I am happy about that, too, because it's like, now you can't say Kevin Owens lost. Like, like I said earlier, like, looking into this, I thought it was going to be a squash match. But now it's like, it had a lot of redeemable qualities about it, and I was, like, really, like, I was happily surprised, yeah. Well, and now, tomorrow night, Kevin Owens gets to come out to the ring in his wheelchair, and he gets to say... (laughs) That I beat Braun Strowman in a cage match. (laughs) One-on-one, no interference. And then Braun's going to come out and grab him by the wheelchair and throw him out of the arena (laughs) through the roof. (laughs) And... But it was... The the match itself was about eight and a half minutes long. To be honest, I was in shock at the finish. I forgot to stop my timer. So it might have been less than that. I, I looked at, I looked down at my phone, which had my timer running. I was like, oh, my God, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> uh, easily the show of the night for me to this point. I agree. And yep. four out of five for me. And uh, I just, oh, it's fantastic. What I mean, what? way to pick up the crowd. Yeah. Um, I, I almost don't know if I want to say this because I don't want to take anything away from the bump or the match at all. It was just something interesting I saw. Um, it was from one camera angle. They didn't show the angle again. And not that I'm taking away anything from Kevin Owens or the bump or anything, but you see, like, from, um, I think it was, like, the second or third angle they showed, there's, like, 
some inflatable thing like inside the announce table like when it collapses you see it but the funny thing is i don't think it even mattered because (laughs) uh, you know he hits the table and then it collapses you know he he didn't like collapse with the table like it was like as solid as it could have possibly been while still breaking so are you saying that an inflatable inner tube that my daughter would use for swimming is not going to stop kevin owens when he falls 20 feet (laughs) Let, let's be real here. That, put it that, way. Yeah. That, that will that will clearly cushion his fall. I, I it's it's right on the box. It's <laughs> but, uh, so the the next match and and really how do you follow something like that is right. uh, well I'll tell you how you follow it with Daniel Bryan and the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match the Bludgeon Brothers taking on Team Hell No and. You know, Daniel Bryan comes out favoring his ribs, of course. We have no cane to start the match. The bludgeons come out, and it's a handicap contest, at least to start. Uh, with the exception of a top rope Hurricane Rana by Daniel Bryan onto Luke Harper, this is predictably Bludgeon Brothers controlled, as it should be. I still hate it every time I see Daniel Bryan do a drop kick off the top. <laughs> where he lands flat on his back. I'd rather see him do a missile drop kick so he can control the fall a little better. Uh, I just... The same thing with Matt Hardy. You know, I don't want to see Daniel Bryan get hurt. I don't want him to not be able to provide. And I don't want him to leave WWE because they won't clear him and then go get hurt worse somewhere else. <laughs> but uh, eventually Kane does come out wearing a boot. And I don't... I don't I, didn't know that you could make Kane not intimidating <laughs> until I saw him oh. wearing the same boot that that you know that that you or I would wear if we broke our mm-hmm. ankle. You know? See what's funny about that is like I'd never maybe you have you've been watching wrestling for a lot longer, but like as far as injury goes, you know, I've never seen anybody come to the ring with that on. Well, you know, it was maybe he's gonna keep that on for the next two years while he's mayor. And he'll be like the cowboy Bob Orton, but with his foot. And he'll start using that to win matches. I mean, that, that, that might be something that happens, but it was the match itself was absolutely predictable from that point on. Or really from before that. I mean, the attack kind of gave it away for me, but Kane coming out wearing the boot, you know, it, it was what it was. Uh, Kane eventually did get the hot tag. And handed out some choke slams and couldn't get the tombstone. Uh-huh. When Daniel Bryan fired up, he actually hit all of the yes kicks, including the the final one, which I don't think mm-hmm. has ever been done in history. <laughs> and uh, it's like the five knuckle shuffle, <laughs> right, 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 uh, or a five knuckle shuffle that actually hits the guy, you know. Full <laughs> finisher in history. Yeah. But uh, in this match. It was it was it was good. Don't get me wrong. It was good. It just there was nothing remarkable in it, other than Daniel Bryan delivering an amazing match with the Bludgeon Brothers, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, at no point during the match did I think that Daniel Bryan had a chance. As soon as they did the injury angle with Kane, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the clothesline power bomb is pretty cool. I like that finish. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't like that it was on Daniel Bryan just because I, you know, right. I worry about him. Don't hurt yourself, Daniel. <laughs> so, um, uh, so w- w- what did you take away from this? What were the standouts in this um, match for you? 
Well, to, like, I don't know. It's just, like, as, as far as Daniel Brand's return goes, you, you know, if it were up to me, he would already be, uh, like, facing AJ Styles. He would have won the championship by now. It's just, um, I'm afraid they're waiting a little too long off of his return to, for him to, like, you know, really accomplish something or, like, um, you know, win a title or something. Now that I think he'll, his, um, you know, his fans will ever go cold on him necessarily mm-hmm. or that it will be too late to pull the trigger. I, it's just, like, I think that he should already be in a point where he has a championship by now. So it's just really disappointing to see him lose. Well, let, let me let me speak to that because I've, I've heard that a lot and I would love to see Daniel Bryan in that position as well. But, you know, right now there's a lot of uh, speculation that he may be gone when his contract is up. So you don't want to necessarily throw a title on somebody that you don't know they're going to be here. But but here's the thing. You know, right now, Daniel Bryan, as far as singles matches, he's been working mid-card. I think that's pretty fair to say. And, And now he's in a tag title match. And he's been putting on really strong matches and really good displays without taking those hits. You know, without taking those nasty bumps, that's a win. You know, that's a big win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he and Luke Harper are both insane workers, and Absolutely. they put on a really good show tonight. So there's another win. Um, mm-hmm. If he stays with the WWE, we will eventually get to see that feud with the Miz. We will eventually get to see that match. You know, with with all, with AJ Styles and with Shinsuke Nakamura, yeah. you know, these matches will happen if he stays. That's a huge win. And if he leaves, he won't be unemployed for a single second after that no compete <laughs> expires. If he even has a no compete, if his contract just expires and he walks away, I don't think he has a no compete. You know, that's usually for somebody gets released from their contract. And and you know, if he leaves, well, like I said. Two seconds after that release comes through, you're going to see him in Impact or in New Japan or in Ring of Honor. And for my money, a Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega or Austin Aries or Cody Rhodes feud is going to be pure magic. And that's a huge win as well. So, you know, sort of, you know, and I talked about this on the prediction show too. The moral is, you know, you hear folks are being upset with how he's being used. But then they also get upset at the rumors that he's leaving. But the thing to remember is, just like with Asuka, no matter where he wrestles, no matter who he's wrestling, he's going to be incredible. And so, you know, I'm more than happy while they kind of feel this out and see how he's doing and see, you know, see how he can perform until he signs again. And then they can really kick it into overdrive and we're going to start seeing those classics. Yeah, sure. And I'm just as fine with him not signing and putting on those indie shows that are going to tear the house down. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's you know, let not your heart be troubled. You know, Daniel Bryan <laughs> has a bright future, whether it's as Daniel Bryan or as Brian Danielson. Right, right. So the the, the next match on the card is uh, Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley. I was actually really high on this match in the prediction show, and I wasn't disappointed. Like, at all. I'm not, like, a Roman Reigns fan at all. Well, like, I mean, I don't hate him like other people do. The The only real gripe I have with him is him on the mic. But, um... <laughs> and then with Bobby Lashley, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of him either. Not necessarily that I dislike him. I just think, like, 
he's not that interesting or whatever. But um, this match really kind of surprised me, honestly. Um, the crowd started to, they tried to shit on it for like the first few minutes, but um, after Lashley took that, whether he meant to or not, I feel like he meant to grab the ropes, but he took that nasty bump. Um, off the apron onto the floor. Mm-hmm. Then um, I feel like after that point, the crowd like kind of stopped yeah. shitting on it, and they just kind of got into it. Absolutely, these guys they had to start from behind the starting line because mm-hmm. Roman Reigns is in it, and nobody's going to cut Roman Reigns a break in a mass just audience. With it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you know they they started the way they wanted to start. You know they 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 played they played bulls. You know collar and elbow tie up. They're backing each other up. You know, and finally Lashley was the one getting the, the the advantage with that. You know, with the amateur wrestling, the MMA training, all that, the takedowns, the Northern Light yeah. Suplex, which was beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, and when Roman turns it around, it's with elbows and right hands. So they're building this story of of you know brawler versus fighter. Mm-hmm. And I, I I know the crowd was chanting early on, like you know. Before the five-minute mark, I couldn't understand what the hell they were saying. I assumed it was something negative about Roman. Uh, but the thing about it is, you know, he's maintaining control for a good portion of this match, and the crowd is booing him, but they're not getting up and leaving. Nobody's going mm-hmm. to the bathroom, and then that's big. Uh, the, the, the belly-to-belly overhead suplexes by Lashley were mm-hmm. I, nothing short of devastating. Right. I, mean, I, th- I think the guy Strong. could suplex a Buick if he wanted to. And uh, the, the spot where he ripped the ring steps out of Roman Reigns' hands oh, was just fantastic. <laughs> good. He, he was just overpowering him for a good uh, portion of it. It was um, It's really cool because, like, in pretty much every match Roman's in, it's just like he's the guy doing that to other people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he's, he's the big dog or whatever but Lashley like this match he's just like no like now you got me to worry about like I'm the other big dog here now and then you know potentially like replaced him as far as this match goes so um, that was that's a really cool uh, aspect of it I thought and it wasn't slow you know it wasn't it wasn't a 205 live match but this wasn't slow everything they did was hard and it was fairly close together and it was just telling a story between those moments and, you know, at one point, you know, the, the crowd turned, you know, all of a sudden we're getting let's go Roman, Roman sucks chance, which for Roman Reigns might as well be getting a standing ovation in WrestleMania, because like I said, <laughs> nobody wants to give this guy a break. And as they're building up to the finish, you know, I'm sure there were folks at home thinking, oh, here comes Roman Reigns going to get the win again. <laughs> and, you know, on any other night, they might have been right. But I did not see that spear coming from Lashley. Mm. And I, did you have Roman to win this match? Uh, you know, I did not, actually. I had Bobby Lashley winning this match. I figured it would be... Uh, I figured he'd take the win in some fashion and get that shot in the arm that he needs because mm-hmm. his, his, you know, his return to the company wasn't exactly a blockbuster. Right, uh, right. And then what I had actually hoped would happen is that Roman would get his heat back afterwards and finally make that full heel turn and maybe oh. <laughs> take a chair to Lashley and just light his ass up. And that, that of course, didn't happen either, but, you know, mm-hmm. they don't they don't pay me to book, so I don't... <laughs> I, I might not know what well, I'm doing to that end. You know, there's always a B team for him. <laughs> That's right. He can <laughs> fall back to the B team now. 
and we're gonna get the job squad back together. This is gonna be fantastic. But um, but yeah, Reigns set up that Superman punch was great, which set up that him running off the ropes for the spear. Lashley about cut the cut him in half with that mm-hmm. spear to end the match. Longest match of the night so far at 14 minutes 53 seconds. Really a lot of fun. I really liked the match, and the crowd popped big for Lashley at the end, which was oh. nice because he needed it. And maybe now we can start to get away from the Roman Reigns beats everybody and never loses a match yeah. because I don't think he's won a pay-per-view match that was worth a shit in quite a while. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I see. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, what's also like kind of a cool little thing about this match, I mean, I know Bobby Lashley has had the spear finisher for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um but just that both their finishers are the spear. And then Lashley, like, you know, beats Roman with the spear. Just, like, you know, he's a better version of Roman Reigns. It's just, like, kind of what the, the story of that match was to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's that's a pretty good observation, and I, I agree. And I think it's a nice point where now Roman Reigns can back up and evolve his character a little bit to mm-hmm. come back. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's in this defensive position now. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so again, you know, I, I got that pick right. I'm back over 400. I'm five and four on picks for the night. If you include the pre-show, if you don't, I'm in trouble. (laughs) And that took us to the end of our second hour on the show. Now in the second hour of the show, uh, the matches were about eight minutes long a piece. And of course that Shinsuke match is going to drag the average down because it was all of five seconds. (laughs) Um, uh, the, the next match out is the Extreme Rules match. That's Alexa Bliss defending her championship against Nia Jax. Uh, Bliss came down with Mickey James. Uh, Mickey James looking gorgeous as usual. Uh, now, I'm not a country fan, necessarily. Uh, have you ever heard any of Mickey James' country music? Wait, she may- no, 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 no. Not at all. It's not bad. It's not bad. Really? Yep. And, Surprise. <laughs> and and you know, this match, they're setting up what's going to happen. Of course, everybody knew what the hell was going to happen. You know, they, they keep cutting to Ronda Rousey. You know she's going to run in. That's the, right. I mean, that's the build. If she didn't, I'd be disappointed. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, Michael Cole says, Oh, we're making women's history, blah, 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 blah. First time women's championship has been defended in an extreme rules match, even though Alexa Bliss had defend, had fought for the women's championship in a kendo stick on a pole match with Bailey last year at extreme rules. But, uh, yeah, you know, fine, we'll, we won't split hairs. Kendo stick on a pole match, extreme rules match. Eh, you know, not everything has to be history. Just let him right. let him have a damn match, and I know he's told to say it, and I and I, I respect the shit out of Michael Cole because I think he's the only one that could run that show the way they want with all those ads that they're pumping into his ear and everything else that they make him do. You know, I don't think you could put a true play-by-play guy, like you know, I'd even say Jim Ross, in that position and have him manage everything that Michael Cole manages. Because Jim Ross is a pure play-by-play guy, you know, Michael Cole is a show manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> uh, Bliss plays Runaway. Uh, when she does get a yeah. shot with the kendo ship stick, Naya grabs it and tries to break it. <laughs> Doesn't quite get it, but, you know, good for Not her. Not quite get it, yeah. It, it does break. 
<laughs> and then this ridiculous spot where they essentially pay, play past what's under the ring so Naya can throw it inside right. the ring. You know, I was I really like that part. That that part cracked me up, and in a good way too. It just like she's, you know, it's like it felt like a Looney Tune or something. Like she she tries to hit her with this chair, die grabs it, mm-hmm. throws it the ring for her to use, and just keeps going on and on and on. I thought that was um, that that was pretty funny. Well, it was, and it was entertaining. But at that point, I was a little worried this was going to turn into another Carmella Oscar match, where it was more circus than contest. Yeah. And they did, they did get away from that, thankfully. Uh, and it was, you know, Jax press slams Alexa Bliss and drops her on a garbage oh, can. And right on her stomach, yeah. It was fantastic. And, you know... She, really, she hardly even put her arms out to it, you know? It's like, you, you could see the impact. It's like, it was just like, it's one of those, like, hits that's just, like, really satisfying to look at. Yeah, you know, it really was. And then when Bliss started swinging away with the trash can lids right after that to bring Jax down, you know, it was, it, it was, it started to turn into an Extreme Rules match. Uh, one of the things they did not do, and I'm glad they didn't do, I said this on the prediction show, I didn't want either one of them to get color. I didn't want blood in this match. It makes me a dinosaur, you know, you can you can say I'm a chauvinist or whatever you want to call me. It's not true. I just don't enjoy seeing women bleed. That's just that's just me. I think, you know, women's matches and even intergender matches can be pretty damn entertaining and be pretty incredible. I don't need to see, you know, I don't need to see Alexa Bliss pouring blood out of her forehead like Randy Orton <laughs> after some elbows from Brock Lesnar. That that doesn't do it for me. But uh, you know, that that, you know, to each their own. I'm just I'm glad there was no color in this yeah. one. Now, I one thing I didn't understand was the Natty run in. You know, Natalia runs in, okay. and you know, again, this may have been may have been something I missed on on the weekly TV shows. Sure. But uh, you know, Natty runs in, and it seemed like she ran in just to set up the Ronda Rousey interference. Yeah, because um, I know. Well, what's the story with Natalia and um, Ronda? It's like Natalia was training her for her WWE debut or something, right? Yeah, I mean they're—I mean, just in real life, they're—they're they're friends. You know, Natty trained, helped train, and uh, I think she's pretty. Given the quality of Ronda's matches so far, pretty oh, fucking yeah. amazing job training her too. Exceeded my—I didn't even have bad expectations for her, but she exceeded them by far. Like I'm seriously like super impressed with her performance. Absolutely, yeah, actually, my wife was teasing me when they when they showed the camera shot of Ronda Rousey. My oldest daughter and I were watching some highlights of Rousey in the octagon, and now my oldest wants to. You know, of course she's she's been taking karate for some time, and eventually she wants right. to get into. Uh, jiu-jitsu and wow. you know she's she's really liking it and she's six which is kind of neat to watch her throw punches and <laughs> kicks and stuff but uh, she thinks the world of ronda rousey you know because oh, she's seen oh, some clips right. and 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 actually some of them i had to turn her head away because she's broken a few arms she's brutal yeah, yeah. and <laughs> when she saw her <laughs> yeah, absolutely and when she when when my oldest saw rousey on this pay-per-view she hadn't seen ronda in a wrestling ring before this was the first time for her her jaw dropped and she she was just so excited and and now <laughs> i think great. that i think that uh ronda is her new favorite it's not bailey anymore but uh I, my wife was teasing me and said oh there's alex's girlfriend and I said <laughs> I said that's not true my wrestling girlfriend was terry runnels and she she retired from wrestling a long time ago 
<laughs> and, and um hi Terry. <laughs> but um but no Rhonda of course jumps over to make the save when Natty is being double teamed and you know how, how some wrestlers will do the wrestler run when they're chasing you know it's, it's more like a jog yeah. <laughs> Ronda Rousey is running the 100 meter dash in the Olympics I mean, she's she is running to whip some ass and I love it uh-huh. She's going to be the first one to win a ladder match in 15 seconds by climbing a ladder like a human being. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, you know, oh, man, sometimes, uh, not to get too off topic, but I really, for some ladder matches, I just have to suspend my disbelief way too much, I think. Um, AJ Styles versus Dean Ambrose at TLC for the WWE Championship. It's just, there's just this one stupid moment in the beginning of it. It's like, they're both standing up. They like start to climb two rungs of the ladder. Then they just pull each other off. And then the other tries to run all the way up while the other one's still standing. And they just keep pulling each other off for so long. It's like, this is so stupid. Nobody would actually think they could do that in like any circumstance. But well, and I, I had the same criticism of the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. It seemed like there was a lot of waiting for spots. You know, they, they, uh, whether it was Becky and Charlotte yelling at each other while they were holding the ladder just to wait for uh, 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 Naomi to come jump off the ladder. You know, so I, I, I have that same problem with some of the gimmick type matches. But uh, the thing about Ronda is I know she can kill somebody. So, <laughs> you know, but... Um, yeah, so jumping back to the match, of course, you know, Ronda comes over the railing, beats the living shit out of Mickey James, mm-hmm. nails that Samoan drop. Uh, eventually, when Bliss gets back into the ring after probably blowing up, sprinting to get away from Ronda, uh, Jax catches her off the top rope and goes for a Samoan drop. Before she can drop her, Mickey James is back in, and she and Alexa Bliss are both teeing off on her with chairs. Leads to the DDT by Bliss for the win in 7 minutes 24 seconds. And James and Bliss bail with the championship, leaving Ronda and Jax in the ring. Uh, So Alexa Bliss is your winner. I figured she'd win. I just didn't pick the way she would win correctly. But really entertaining match. A little bit too chaotic with that interference that I didn't understand by Natty. And that just, like I said, that could be my fault that I don't understand that. But... A lot happened in seven minutes here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good match, I would say, too. Um, back to the kind of having the theme of underwhelming for me personally was just, I, I thought the ending, like the very end, was just a little underwhelming. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Alexa Bliss's finisher, to be honest. Like, just just because, like, everybody uses DDTs in any context now, mm-hmm. and, like, that's their finisher. And I feel like a bunch of other people are already using DDTs at this point as their finishers. Yep. So, um, not a huge fan of it anyways, but, um, yeah, besides that, I think I, I enjoyed the match. Now, one of the things that I couldn't tell from the camera angle, but it looked like she DDT'd Naya onto a chair. Yeah, it was a trash can lid or a chair. Okay, so. is that, but the thing is, you'd never know, because I don't think the announcers brought it up. Mm-hmm. And and I could be wrong about that too, but if they did, they didn't bring it up enough for me to remember it even an hour later, you know, or yeah. two hours <laughs> later. It's about eleven thirty right. right now, and uh, I I thought, man, if they really drove that home, then the ending seems a little bit stronger. But yeah. it is what it is. What it is. 
Um, you know, I, I, I gave it a four. I, you know, I, I did enjoy it. I, I like seeing Rhonda. I like seeing Mickey. I like seeing Natty. Uh, even if I didn't understand why Natty was there. <laughs> um, and, uh, and now I'm starting to get some momentum. I'm guaranteed at least a five, you know, better than a 500 record as we go into the last match of the night. I'm six and four. And we have the WWE Championship, AJ Styles versus Rusev. And uh, give me your thoughts on this. It was okay. Um, again, like slightly underwhelming for me. It just because at, at this point, every time I see AJ Styles, I expect like you know, like a five star like match or something. Um, I, I mean, that's a good thing. But <laughs> like when. Um, like this match didn't do all that much for me. Like there were really cool spots, like seeing, um, Rusev about to get the accolade in on AJ Styles and then the crowd just pops. That was a really cool moment because, mm-hmm. um, the accolade's pretty protected as far as fin- finishers go. Um, yep. like once he gets that locked in, it's usually like, you know, the end of the match. So just seeing the crowd pop whenever he's about to get it in was, uh, one of my favorite things about that match. You know, it was, it was actually, I, I, I loved the match. Um, and, and it was, you're right, AJ Styles can turn anything into a classic. And uh, so when it's not, you know, him flying all over the place, because he had a very different match than what you normally see in WWE AJ Styles here. Uh, they did mention that it has been 250 plus days for Styles as champion. So maybe mm-hmm. let's just let him run up those days and uh, erase that prick Leavesner from the rec- from the record books there. But, uh, you know, it was, I liked how they started with the speed game. So, of course, it's AJ knowing he's got to be fast. He's kicking the legs. He's drop-kicking the ankles. And he does that immediately. And it, and it holds throughout the entire match. Like, everything, that, everything Rusev does throughout the rest of the match, he always goes back to his leg. You know, even when he's, even when he's dishing it out, he hobbles. You know, every, he sells the leg the entire match. He never forgets. And it's, it's, you know, there's not enough of that, I don't think. Uh, there were, Rusev hits a big spine buster in the beginning to take control. And I just thought to myself, boy, this guy's come a long way from the two-move wonder we saw in NXT. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. See, um, it's funny you say that, because it wasn't until fairly recently I was really sold on Rusev. Because when he, you know, he came to the main roster, I think even when he was in NXT, he was just like the... The typical like anti-American gimmick, and it's like, oh, this again, yep. like, <laughs> you know, it's like the cliche of all heel gimmicks, mm-hmm. really, for uh, wrestling, and it's just like, I don't know, just everything at that point, like, just kind of bored me, and then, um, I, I think as as bad as the Dolph Ziggler and Rusev feud was, like, that's when his like just personality kind of started to shine through, uh, the handsome Rusev thing. Like, <laughs> you, you, you kind of realize like this is hilarious. Like, oh. um, so now like just with Rusev Day and everything, where it's like his gimmick is more just that he's himself now, and not just like some like you know communist or something. It just um. Like, I, I'm really sold on him now. Like, I'm a fan. You know, I, I love it. And for me, it was when Aiden English showed up. It was, <laughs> yeah. you know, I I loved the villains, And mm-hmm. I was bummed. I was really bummed out when Simon Gotch got released. 
and you know, I don't know. It seems though. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I don't know all the, the the circumstances around it. I know he was he was kind of at the disadvantage to st- at the very start because Enzo can't work, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and uh, yeah. And by the way, if you haven't listened to Gotch rip on Enzo Amore. Is worth every second. It's very funny. <laughs> it's been my suggestions box ever since I've watched Enzo's terrible new rap he released. But oh man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's but we, we've mentioned him twice now, and that's already too many times. So, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, what I really loved about this match wasn't the springboard 450 or you know the, the normal AJ Styles offense that's always great. What I loved about this was that none of it worked. You know, it was, he tries to roll Rusev into the calf crusher. Rusev holds on. You know, he tries to go for the phenomenal forearm. Doesn't work. He, you know, he, try, he tries to hit the, the Styles clash. He can't get it. You know, everything that Styles tried to do, Rusev was too big and too powerful to let him do, which was a nice change. Um now there was uh, while AJ was chasing Aiden English on the outside, Rusev of course <laughs> snatches him up and hits him in, with an overhead belly to belly, and holy shit! Oh man, I remember that. Thought his kidneys were going to come out of his mouth, and uh, throws him back into the ring. Hits the first Machka kick for a long two count. Now I was I was positive oh. the match was over. Like I popped out of my chair. I thought that was the finish. Oh, and every two count in that match. Oh my gosh! So close. Every single one near the end. I thought the match ended like three times by the end of that. Oh yeah, and and they worked because they were after big moves, but they weren't finishers. And uh, you know, so of course he misses the second Machka kick, gets hit with a Pele kick, which I, I've always loved. AJ was the first person I ever saw do a Pele kick when I saw him do it back in TNA. Uh, I think it was against P.D. Williams or Abyss was one of the first matches I saw AJ Styles in, in Impact, or in TNA. Uh, there was that big, heavy roundhouse kick for another long two for Rusev, and then he goes for the accolade, and he cannot hold it. He has to do that half accolade because he can't get his leg up it's underneath like, him. Yeah. Uh, he tries again. AJ ducks through it. Springboard 450 for another long two. I mean, at this point, I'm just, like, I'm almost weary from, from near falls, but I'm still watching. And if you notice, you know, at this point, Aiden, uh, Aiden English is hitting the apron, trying to get Rusev fired up, and he hurt his hand. I don't know if you saw that or not. He slaps the apron and he shakes his hand because he, I think, I think he hit the hard edge. Sure. <laughs> uh, we do get a phenomenal forearm by AJ for the win. 15 minutes, 34 seconds. AJ Styles... Goddamn phenomenon! I just love the guy. Uh, this was my five out of five match for the night. I, I I liked it that much. It was everything about it kept me engaged, and and it was mainly because the AJ Styles outstanding offense didn't work, and Rusev made it convincing that it wasn't going to work, and I loved it. Uh, see, that's why I had to focus on leg two. It's just like. I love matches where you like can you can understand their strategy behind it. Like you, you understand their intentions, you know, without them like you know like having to tell you or anything. It's like mm-hmm. 
okay, AJ Styles knows he can't, you know, keep Rusev down or something. So, you know, he has to take out his legs now because right. he can't overpower him or anything. And then, you know, that came into play because he would have lost if he had the, or as far as kayfabe goes, you know, if Rusev had been able to lock that whole thing in, that would have been it. AJ wouldn't yeah. have been able to get out of that. So that that did put Rusev over in a way. And now that now that we're talking about this match more, I think um, I did enjoy it a bit more than I initially thought. But, um, yeah, solid match, really good. Well, and I think the Rusev loss kind of takes, like, takes away in the memory of the match because so many of us want Rusev to get it. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, uh, I was kind of looking forward to it too. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm a JJ Styles fan, but it's like, if I saw Rusev win, I would have been, I'd been, you know, that absolutely, awesome. absolutely. And but you know, that was with the match being what it was. Absolutely loved it. Uh, it was actually my favorite match of the entire night. Uh, I liked it more than I liked the Iron Man match, uh, which was also phenomenal, by the way. <laughs> and we'll get to that. But let's, well, we're there. Shit, let's jump right into it. So we've got the Intercontinental Championship match to close the show, which I thought was. That surprised me, but I, you know, I I, I saw where they're going with it. Well, and I suppose, you know, you time everything else so that you know you have 30 minutes at the end. Mm, You know, so. Yeah, okay. And and I'm certainly not going to complain about having Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre in the last match of the night. You know that I'm I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm cool. That's, that's, uh, of course. Let, let me say one thing before we start talking about the match, though. Sure. Was it just me, or was the crowd super fucking annoying to you? Yes. Every time the minute passed, they had to count down the last ten seconds of every minute. I've got and that then note. Even like in between, like it's mm-hmm. just like shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. are you that bored? Like, just watch the match. Okay, and, like, and and so you said something really important there. And yes, it was fucking obnoxious, and it drove me. I, I have a note in front of me about that. And uh, if there would have been a beach ball, I would have hoped the stadium burned down. But was, that's mean. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I'm happy you all got home safe. No, you mean it, Alex. Just you know, I'm a stick dick. with it. But, um, but it was. It was It was obnoxious and unnecessary. And the thing is, these guys thought, I'm sure that they all thought that Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins were going to go in there and they were going to run at 120 miles an hour for 30 minutes straight. And that's just silly. Because if you do that, where do you go from there? Because this isn't the end. You yeah. know? I imagine these two are going to have a rematch at SummerSlam before Seth moves on to either the world title picture or the universal title picture or a new angle, maybe with Dean Ambrose, who didn't show up tonight right. and broke my heart. Oh, man, yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll give that to that, too, because I thought he was uh, going to come in during the end or something. Me, too. I'd uh, hoped. But so the, the match starts, and, and of course, I, didn't, I never liked Seth Rollins' theme music until... They interjected, burn it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now all of a sudden it's badass and I love it. And, and I'm, wow. I'm stupid for that. But that's, <laughs> um, I actually, I liked that they started with more of an amateur wrestling beginning. Right. And, yeah. and of course Ziggler goes over and I, and the announcers actually brought up his wrestling history at Penn State, yeah. which was surprising because he's the heel. They're in Pennsylvania. Why would you put over the heel that way? But, uh, you know, of course, he was. That's a fact. And yeah. that should have yeah, that should have been his gimmick as soon as the Spirit Squad ended. But yeah. it, it is what <laughs> so, it yeah, is. No, he was even, a, I think he was even the wrestling coach, too, 
uh, by the time he left. And um, just something I, I always thought about was how funny would it be to see a wrestling coach just on, you know, WWE eventually. <laughs> just like, I think that'd be a cool little thing to have. <laughs> now, I think, didn't the Hardy Boys, because they both wrestled in high school, I thought they ran into some trouble with uh, state athletics because they were pro wrestlers as well. Really? You know, in their own little back, you know, in, in their backyard fed. And uh, so they were professionals and no longer eligible. You know, that, really? that sort of bullshit connection between the two. I think I heard Matt tell a story about that once. But um, so overall, you know, I mean, this was a 30 minute match and the falls came in the order they did. You know, of course, Seth Rollins went up 3 0 early and then fell behind 4 3. You know, with. with yeah. So, give me your impressions of the match. Tell me what you liked. Tell me what you didn't like. Okay, what I liked, um, I'll, I'll just kind of like uh, progress through the match a little bit. So yeah, it's of uh, yeah zero zero of course at the beginning, um, and then uh, Rollins gets the roll up on him, and then of course you know Dolph's already on edge. Seth gets a curb stomp on him. It's like, oh shit! Now now he really has to catch up because um, you know two down and he just got a finisher laid out on him um you know no signs of you know recharging yet mm-hmm. Seth Rollins has a huge advantage of him Absolutely. and like um you, you kind of see some of his heel cockiness and arrogance come back at that point which I thought was really cool you mm-hmm. just see him um I think Michael Cole says pay attention to Dolph like uh Rollins what are you doing looking at the crowd or something yeah, yeah. um he well, just and- has that shit-eating grin and he's just like looking at the crowd after that Absolutely, absolutely, and that first fall came at four minutes thirty seconds, and that was that mm-hmm. Mahistral cradle. The second fall was the curb stomp at seven minutes fifty eight seconds. So we're eight minutes in. We've got twenty two minutes left, and Rollins is up two zero. And then I love this next part, um, just how McIntyre plays into it. It's like he's Dolph Ziggler's like lifeline, his backup plan. So he comes in at the expense of a DQ, of course. But he totally flattens Rollins, and he levels the playing field to an extent. Um, I think even putting in Ziggler's favor as you know the match goes on. Mm-hmm. But he he levels the playing ground. Ziggler gets um, I think like two successive pins after that, pretty close together. Well, he does. So so McIntyre comes in, like you said, absolutely flattens Rollins. Uh, for the DQ, the third fall for Rollins at 8 minutes 45 seconds. But then McIntyre continues beating the living <laughs> shit out of Seth Rollins uh, until the official sends him to the back. We never get a second DQ for the attack mm-hmm. after after the decision, which didn't make a lot of sense, but whatever. So we're and still 3 I was kind of worried about that, too. I was like, because um, I was afraid he was going to get DQ'd again mm-hmm. because he already got DQ'd after just hitting him a bunch. And I was like... Wait, is that it? Like, he's not going to hit the Claymore on him or something? And right. I, was, I was afraid Ziggler was going to pin him after that. It's like, and I wasn't going to be able to buy that. But, um, no, he, uh, <laughs> uh, my worries went away after he, you know, flattened him. Yep. So, yeah, so then Ziggler does get that first cover uh, score. 10 minutes, 30 seconds. It's 3-1. He's a super <laughs> kick for the second fall at 11 minutes, 10 seconds. Just 40 seconds later, we're 3-2. And he ties it up at 12 minutes, 10 seconds. So, you know, within basically two and a half minutes, we're 3-3. And uh, so we see a suicide dive by Rollins reversed with a huge forearm 
Z- and uh, Ziggler comes in, gets the fall with his feet on the ropes in 14 minutes, 15 seconds. It's now 3-4 Ziggler. And then it turns into the time game. So they're they're rolling on. They're, they're, they're teasing that Rollins is going to get this win. He shrugs off a jumping DDT, hits his running knee for another two count, uh, frog splash for a two count. You know, we're, we're getting all the way down to the five minute mark. And Rollins is still down by a fall. Uh, he hits that superplex into a falcon arrow, which I adore, for another two count. Calls for a curb stomp, and Ziggler rolls him up for a two count. And Rollins finally picks up the fall with a sunset roll-up pin at 26.55 to tie it up 4-4. And we are down to three minutes. They fire up, and they go to town. And from here, I didn't know which way it was going to go. Uh, you know, Rollins locks in that sharpshooter, moves it into a crossface, trying anything he can do to get that submission. Uh, you know, finally Rollins lets go and, and goes for that curb stomp and misses. And uh, uh, Ziggler tries to run away. Famouser by Ziggler for two as we hit the 40-second mark. And then we finally get the super kick with a curb stomp with five seconds left. And, of course, Rollins can't get there. And Ziggler retains. And you could hear the crowd, like the air just kind of left the arena. They, they, they were just not impressed with the finish until you hear Kurt Angle's music hit. And he puts us into sudden death. And uh, Ziggler wins in sudden death immediately with McIntyre's assistance with a zigzag. <laughs> and that I absolutely loved. It was a complete fuck you to the sudden death. And I, I just, I didn't, I didn't entertain the hell out of me. I, I intentionally didn't check social media during the show, or even as we were recording this because I wanted to give everybody my honest thoughts on the show without online influence. It was a slower start than I would have wanted to see with Extreme Rules, but things really picked up, starting with that Nakamura win that caught everybody off guard, and then Kevin Owens apparently wanting to die (laughs) on the cage match. Uh, You know, From that point, the show caught fire for me. I thought each match, even before that, was entertaining, just in a different way. Dolphin Seth was outstanding. McIntyre coming back to distract him at the distract Rollins at the end, so Ziggler could win, was was outstanding. So for me, I I had hoped this would be their first A show of the year. It didn't quite hit the mark there for me. I'd give this, you know, an easy B, you know, a nice setup for SummerSlam, which I really hope blows the roof off the joint. Noah, what did you think of the show? Um. Yeah, the first half was uh, still a bit underwhelming, I would say. Um, uh, when the Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy, as quick as that was, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people weren't a fan of it ending that quickly, but I really enjoyed it just because of it, it kind of flaunted uh, <laughs> uh, Shinsuke being a total asshole. Feel now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, the Kevin Owens match was definitely my favorite match of the night. Just that crazy bump. Just insane. So that's when... Uh, you know, the paper took a turn for me. Um, I started enjoying it a lot after that. Um, <laughs> overall, um, so half of it kind of felt like raw, and then like it wasn't until the latter half that it really started feeling like a pay-per-view. So, um, you know, I'm glad I watched it. Um, not all of it worked for me, but um, still, I, I think it was a solid show still. Good deal. So of, of the three-and-a-half-hour main show, we had just under an hour and 20 minutes of match time, not counting the entrances or the pre-show. Okay, and then and the reason I bring that up, and of course the pre-show was an hour, pre-show was an hour with just fit under fifteen minutes of match time. Uh, average match time on the main show was eight minutes, 
It was just under eight minutes, and it was the same for the pre-show. So the reason I mention that is because, you know, every episode outside of these bonus shows, like for pay-per-views and things like that, I'm covering Mid-South Wrestling right now. And eventually we'll move into Smoky Mountain or we'll move into Mid-Atlantic or WCCW, whichever way we go with this. But we are consistently seeing six, seven, and eight matches, even if they're enhancement matches and they're still really entertaining, on the Mid-South TV, which has a 40-minute runtime. Okay? So I, I'm not I'm not shitting on the main product. I'm just I'm giving you a comparison here of what we saw 30, 35 years ago as far as the, 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 the shows being focused completely on the action to this where a majority of the show was set up versus the actual match itself. So it j- just something to take note of. Uh, and if you think uh, if you think maybe you'd want to check out something that's a bit more paced to the to the match, if you're one of those folks that gets tired of the promos, gets tired of the backstage segments, uh, maybe maybe check out Mid South Wrestling. And that's a perfect segue because on our next Mid South focused episode, we are going to see first our tape study for thirty Hacksaw Jim Duggan taking on Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer in a dog collar match, followed by Mid South Wrestling from May 29th, 1982 which is going to feature Paul Ellering. We'll see Ted DiBiase against the Grappler. Uh, We'll see Dick Murdoch taking on Hangman Rick Harris, who, of course, is Black Bart. We'll see the one-man gang taking on Coco Samoa, Bob Roop and the Assassin teaming up to take on Mike Sharp and Mike Hudspeth, Dr. Death Steve Williams debuting in professional wrestling versus the Turk, the Mid-South Tag Team Champions Mr. Olympia and the Junkyard Dog taking on Jim Starr and Randy Bass, and finally Jesse Barr versus Billy Starr to close the show. And with that, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Smart Get a Zero podcast. Let me know if you enjoy the changes we're making or if you have any suggestions. You can reach me on Twitter at SmartGetAZero. And don't forget to follow our friends Dallas Barnes at All Wrestling 420 and Oz Marley with Steel Post Media at Steel Post Media. Thank you, as always, for downloading my show and supporting our Steel Post Media partners. Don't forget to rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to support your local wrestling promotions, your internet wrestling community, and remember to be kind. I've been your host, Alex Fannenbecker, and with me is my tag team partner, Noah Carroll. Noah, thank you for joining me tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alex. All right, and we'll see you next time right here on the Smart Get a Zero podcast. Mm-hmm.